Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 123 for May 3rd, 2023. Summer movies, writers striking, a burger bot, and more news. The quick rundown of today's articles is like so. Fishy fanged fish found in foam. CDC's investigating itself and found infected. A summer movie calendar for 2023. Discord rolling out a new function. Shake Shack is going veggie. McDonald's in various places having 10 year olds working. Writers are on strike, so AI might be filling in. Starfield deep dive on June 11th. An ancient woman's DNA from a 20,000 year old pendant. Enshrouded is not in mystery, but nothing but interest. And Sam's Club is testing a burger bot where nobody is involved. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com and up there is the AI. You wanna introduce yourself? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, your color is matching. And uh, thanks uh, to, again, to Timeless and Dunkstar's community uh, over here on Twitch. Uh, we have uh, met our previous goal and like all good things, we have to continue to grow our garden. And uh, so now we have a new goal. So tell a friend, <laughs> tell an enemy, uh, tell everybody. Random strangers on the street. Hometown exists. It's a channel over on uh, Twitch. It turns itself into a YouTube uh, video and a podcast and a Discord and a Patreon is still sitting there, but I haven't been promoting it really. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to start doing this uh, longer. So um, I, I need to encourage everybody to come and hang out and uh, talk shop with us about the news. And it's a pretty broad gamut, uh, uh, a holistic look at um, society. We talk about business. We talk about tech. We talk about games. We talk about movies, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. 50 different channels, about 200 sources. It ebbs and flows as I activate and deactivate things based on uh, testing out certain functions. But in essence, we are always consuming news. Um, and then we talk about it every day at 9 p.m. Eastern. Want to get into the news or do you have any announcements from the AI's world? I don't have any announcements. I'm ready to get into the news. Right on. Okay. So the very first article is in the Mobile Channel. Fish with fangs are washing up on Oregon's beaches and biologists aren't sure why. I don't know. Maybe they're on train tracks. Um, so... Portland, Oregon, serpent-like deep, uh, deep sea fish uh, with protruding fangs, bulging eyes, and scaleless, slithery bodies are washing up along Oregon beaches, and biologists aren't sure why. This is over at the hill. This is what it looks like. It's a lancet fish. Um, when I was younger, back in the day when there were um, physical encyclopedias and not just the internet where you could just do a search, that's where I was first introduced to the Lancet fish because I was really interested in deep sea critters 
because they were fodder for my imagination to spin them into Dungeons and Dragons creatures. Um, so I was really interested in the deep sea ones. Um, there's things like anglerfish, but deep sea uh, where they have like a little bioluminescent whatever, and it teases a fish to come close enough where they just gobble it up. And then you see that actually in like cartoons and stuff um, and in other things. But anyway, pretty fascinating. Um, this, uh, I don't know if it's this particular fish, but um, it says one lancet fish was found alive and helped back into the ocean where it swam away. Um, I don't know now anymore if this is the actual fish that I remember from the encyclopedias, um, but I remember a fish that looked a lot like this with nasty things um, that wouldn't just swim around like a regular fish. It had like a little, like, I, I don't know what you want to call it, like a little like L bracket. I would bracket. call it like a seahorse type shape or an, an upside down L or something. Yeah, and it would just swim around like that. And uh, it was really creepy. The body would just kind of hang there as it swam. And so I actually found a video of one. It's not in here, but that's what this thing looks like. Uh, before we get too far, I just want to say that it's over at thehill.com and it's by Josh, or sorry, Josh. I don't know why I said that. John Ross Ferreira. I merged John and Ross into Josh. So sorry, John. Um, and yeah, we're on first name basis. Uh, no, I don't know this person at all, but anyway. So Oregon Parks and Recreation Department announced on Monday that um, deep sea fish with protruding fangs and eyes, numerous lancet fish have washed ashore in Oregon in recent weeks. Beachgoers from both the northern and southern coasts of the state have uh, reported spotting. That's a weird phrase. Um, the, the dead or dying fish on their local surfs. I, I don't know if you should go out and touch them. I don't know if they're... Like if you get poked by one of their spines, if something bad might happen, uh, but like anything, any fish, if you get poked, it's could cause an infection, I suppose. Unlike tuna and swordfish, the two known lancet fish species are not prized as food due to their taste and gelatinous flesh. Mmm. Oh, look, the, the AI just deleted itself. Okay. I guess it doesn't really ever want to hear gelatinous flesh. Okay. No, words. Thank you. I didn't know that there was some hidden code in there that when you hear gelatinous flesh, you delete yourself. Oh, look, it did it again. Wow. Okay. Uh, control Z. Now you're back. You going to be okay? Yes, but let's get away from the gelatinous flesh. <laughs> oh, and now I got to delete myself. Oh, gosh, this is a horrible dynamic we have going here. Well, how about I do this? I take the URL and I throw it into the chat so everybody can go and follow that link and uh, check it out in real time. And if you want to come back and talk shop about it, then feel free to come on back and talk shop about it. You can also go over to hometown.showbot.tv and vote for the articles. We do keep that in mind. Uh, so let's keep on hustling through today's news. Um, 
like many investigations of oneself, uh, you find no wrongdoing. But in this case, in the Mobile Channel, the CDC is investigating a COVID outbreak after its own annual conference, which is kind of ironic. Uh, the CDC has confirmed that it's conducting an investigation into several dozen COVID-19 cases linked to the agency's annual conference that occurred in Georgia last week. They could have all gone to the same restaurant, you know, and somebody there had COVID and sneezed. Oh, yeah. It still um, looks bad. And it was their oh. epidemic intelligence service. I mean, come on. The CDC's three-day 2023 Epidemic Intelligence Services, or EIS, conference began in April, uh, or on April 24th in Atlanta, where the agency is headquartered. The purpose of the meeting is for EIS members to share their work. <laughs> they sure did. Um, and the <laughs> event is free and open to the public, so obviously it could have been anybody that went waddling in there. And uh, it says the CDC noted the conference regularly drew diverse attention each year from various public health sectors around the world. Isn't there a song around the world? What's that song? I don't know that oh, one. I don't think. All right, whatever. Um, I'm gonna have to plug you into uh, music databases. Joseph Choi over at the Hill is the writer for this article about the CDC investigating itself after a COVID outbreak. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to this other than the fact that 35 people had tested positive as of May 2nd. I Man. mean, that's kind of a lot from one event this far into the pandemic, but... Right? Epidemic intelligence services. I guess they're gathering some intelligence. What if it's a test? It's a new strain and they've discovered a way to, you know, I mean, like... a. They can't eliminate it, but you'd think they would be extra cautious compared to the general public. So it's just kind of surprising. I mean, realistically, it can hit anywhere, but. Yeah, and I'm supposed to go to a conference and I am not interested, so I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> like uh, I've it's been pitched to me and I'm sitting there going, no, I do not want to go where several hundred people are going to be tightly packed talking about stuff and getting a bunch of mouth breathers running around me. I'm really not interested in getting COVID for crying out loud. But I mean, if I do go, I'll wear a mask and, and put myself in a bubble and spray everybody with Lysol and do what I have to hey, to protect spraying myself. Spraying will also help keep people back from you too, so it That's can right. serve two purposes. <laughs> Bad cat, get away! I love cats, though. So, so it says uh, whenever you're, there are large gatherings, especially indoors, such as at a conference, there is the possibility of COVID nineteen spread, even in periods of low community spread. But you know what? You know what doesn't get community spread? virtual conferences it's virtual conferences and you can still get your messaging across sure the networking is a little bit you know touch and go but i i, I would rather not die or get long covid or get short covid i i'd rather not get covid i can i can deal with the flu i can deal with a cold i can deal with a whole bunch of stuff but what i don't want to deal with is a highly 
contagious illness and then spread it around to hometown. I'm not interested. Anyway, sociopaths say, no, no, no. I think you can still go. Don't, don't worry about that. You know, Hey, uh, I'm an idiot. And, uh, you just, it's the flu wash your hands. I feel like early 2020 is all over again, you know? Yeah. It sure seems like it. Let's move on. I don't want a soapbox today. I don't want a soapbox today. So summer movie calendar 2023. It's in the continuity report. This time I'm going to stick to it. A month by month breakdown of the best summer movies 2022 has to offer. But um, I think that's a typo 2023. But we're going <laughs> to jump over there and see. Maybe they corrected it. Um, yes, they did. So here it says 2023 in the little snippet because somebody derped. It was 2022, probably a template kind of thing. And then they drag and drop. That's what I was thinking. Like they used the one from the 2022 and didn't update it. But how hard is it to remember a month by month breakdown of the best summer movies 2023 has to offer? Well, and how difficult is it to proofread? Like that should have stood out. But anyway, that's okay. Come on. We, we can't really, oh, let's soapbox about this. No, just kidding. So this is from uh, all of Rotten Tomatoes staff. Um, it's been around for 25 years. I just read about that. It's been around for 25 years. Um, so, okay. Let's just get into it. Because it says from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 to, or and Fast X to The Flash, Mission Impossible, and more. There's a showrunner or something like that that said that people were, were going to forget about Ezra, that that guy who was really the the star of the flash um who basically went off the rails and acted really weird around people and um like assaulted bunny okay i feel like the ai has been on vacation <laughs> the but anyway AI don't worry about it this story <laughs> yeah this particular thing i guess he's just not hooked into anyway um it said that people will forget that 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 happened uh, what okay whatever Not, like if i did it i would never be able to live it down like nobody would ever let me forget it um, but apparently and he's got some type of charisma around him some magic aura anyway guardians of the galaxy uh volume three love again uh book club the next chapter these are all movies that are coming i'm interested in rally road racers because it's animated um, just seems like fun. It's going to have uh, Jimmy Yang, J.K. Simmons, Chloe Bennett, Lisa Liu, Sharon Horgan, Catherine Tate, John Cleese. John Cleese has to be in everything animated. I think it's I, I think it's actually a law. <laughs> like it, it, it's part of uh, the every country has a, a John Cleese clause. I think that's what it's called. The John Cleese clause. If you have an animated uh, kids movie, you must have at least one John Cleese. Um, Blackberry is another movie. Hypnotic. Uh, the Starling Girl. 
many of these I've not actually even seen the trailers for. So I guess I'm lagging. Um, the Mother, Fast X, keep hearing about Fast X. Uh, white Men Can't Jump. 2023, okay. apparently, yeah. Makes the leap from rap star to movie star and a Hulu remake of the 1992 Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes classic about a couple of street ball hustlers who team up to take advantage of opponents who underestimate them because Jeremy's white. All right. About my father. Oh, I just punched my microphone right on. <laughs> You should refrain from doing that. Take that. The Little Mermaid. It says choices. That must be a song or something. I don't know. Um, there's an age restriction on the machine. All right. It says if you've been around the Internet for a while, you've probably encountered stand up comic Bert Kreischer uh, viral video. So crazy it must be true story about an extended encounter with russian mobsters on a class trip in college it says the film is not an adaptation of the tale but a fictionalized account of what happened to him 20 years after the events of that story um okay i'm gonna stop right here because this goes on for quite some time and I'm not going to be able to just go through each of these. So I've thrown it into chat and I encourage you to go over there and check it all out. Uh, now I'm going to scroll back up a little bit, but then when I stop talking, I'm going to stop scrolling and move on to the next article. So as far as we know, are all these movies actually going to materialize because of the writer's strike? Like they were already far enough along that they're filmed and everything. Did you have to? Did you have to bring that up now? I did because I think we're going to talk about it later anyway. Many of these are already in the can. So if not already done, then maybe they'll lean into AI to flesh out the writing part of it and not really impact the acting part of it. I, I'm not quite sure. But it really, it certainly looks like everything is scheduled for release, not pending, you know, still some type of um, reshoots and whatnot. Because if writers are involved in this, let's just say it's going to get kicked further down the road. A lot of these seem to be like Gran Turismo, by the way, was actually discussed during a presentation today that I was part of because <laughs> we were talking about AI and how you can actually get into an AI, uh, well, VR um, simulator and play uh, games against AI. And Gran Turismo is a computer game, but you can play it in VR. And if you are sitting in a driving simulator that has, um, roll, pitch, yaw, um, actually six degrees of freedom. It, it can bounce around as you're driving down the road. And when you turn, you feel it move and it's very immersive. Um, but then they make a movie called Gran Turismo. Pretty cool. Anyway. It is, but that's not based on the video game. 
No, it says, don't be fooled. This is no straight up video game adaptation. Instead, it's based on the true story of a teenage gamer whose Gran Turismo skills won him the opportunity to become an actual race car driver. In the context of the conversation um, was after the presentation was the fact that uh, the presenter knows somebody that actually did something similar trained entirely in VR and then became a race car driver. Um, this is not that person, but um, just a similar thing. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, like I said, uh, there's so many in here that I want to see that I just can't. Oh, and I'm calling it now. There's going to be an AI version of Oppenheimer. Um where it's the biography of the godfather of modern AI. And uh, it's going to be about some similar statement of I have become death. Um, but it's probably going to be something like uh, uh, I have become the father of plagiarism or uh, copyright uh, violation, not copyright violation, but I don't know, copyright dilution or whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure. I think another one of our articles tonight talks about AI, um, but we'll we'll get there. I've been reading quite a lot. I was presented um, seven pitches today that were about AI in various. <laughs> You're an AI overload today. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just happened to be a perfect storm because. So many people were so interested in AI, um, but it's interesting. It's an interesting world. And uh, I recently read about some really creepy AI stuff, AI powered stuff um, for surveillance. I think I mentioned that in the last stream, but um, we'll come back and we'll visit more of these movies. I think as time goes on, we will talk about more movies um, as we approach uh, the true start of the continuity report. Um, it just takes, it's a little more complex than I anticipated, but we'll, we'll see what we can do and we'll end up talking about more of these Ruby Gilman teenage Kraken. See, I can just stay and talk about this stuff, but I'm going to move on. Um, so this next thing is kind of, a I don't know what's going to come of it because it's, it's in the late night geeks channel. Discord is growing up. So everyone needs to pick a, a new username. Um, what has transpired is some new function is being kicked off and what used to be, they refer to it as a discriminator. Um, so instead of having a four number discriminator appended to your name on discord, which right now, um, like, I have a unique identifier, but you don't see it. Um, you see Marwat, but then it has a number and then there's a four digit number, but there's so many people that maybe there is a conflict. The numbers are running out. I don't know who became, you know, Marwat hashtag nine, 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 nine. And, and they're typing in nine, 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 nine. And suddenly they're like, well, I can't, I can't be Marwat. I don't think that there should be another Marwat at all. Right. I, I was the first to get the name. I, I have it. Um, I go by it. I'm that everywhere. Well, 
you can be pretty much anything oh, like on Twitch. Uh, you can change your name periodically um, on Twitter. You can change your name periodically, but it's your front facing. Even on Steam, you can change your name front facing name, but your account name is locked in. Whatever it is, is what it is. Well, in this instance, you are going to be given an at symbol, kind of like what they did with um, YouTube, where I have hometown at hometown. I just happen to also have slash hometown at YouTube. So if you do a search and you put in the at hometown, you'll pull me up on YouTube. But if you go to youtube.com slash hometown, you'll get hometown as well. That's because at a later date, they did what these guys are doing, which is doing the little at and then having a, a digit afterward. It's a 16 digit code. And so I've been seeing these 16 digit codes all over Discord and I kept on going, what the heck is going on? And I had done a search. Basically, it's like an uncached name. There is a name behind it, but it's not displaying the actual name. It's showing that discriminator. And I, I don't know of any discussion that's taking place about it. Um, it's certainly not taking place in any Discord servers that I'm in, but here the article says Discord is taking away the four digit tag that it puts after its usernames as it looks to make it easier to connect with other users. As noted in a post on Discord's blog, this change will force most users to change their usernames as Discord will no longer have the four digit uh, tag that distinguishes one person with the same username to another. So I guess if only one person has a username, maybe they don't have to do anything. Well, I don't see how that's possible. They'll have to roll it in based on age, which is what happened with YouTube, which is why I have several tags over on YouTube. Um, and that's because I, I already had that name, but you couldn't actually own an identity until you reached a certain level which is really it's disheartening because just because you're not as popular as the next person, suddenly you're out your identity. So it's entirely populist driven, which really pissed me off. Um, thankfully, I never missed any of my particular uh, like channel names and, and identities. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty prolific. I, I have a, a lot of uh, what do you call it? Irons in the fire. And so I didn't want to lose that. I did lose something on Facebook and even Facebook's attorneys said, well, we're behind a, a, our own paywall essentially. Um, and so what happens on our service is entirely us. We're not bound by trademark law. Um, and uh, I thought that was rather shocking as a response. So the only way to really resolve this because it's an international community would have been to get a global trademark, which is impossible. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so for one of my brands, um, it's actually owned by an Australian company on Facebook. 
Thankfully, Facebook is the modern version of AOL and has a lot of kinetic energy, but will slowly die out and probably be bought by like MSNBC or something. I don't really know. It'll probably be around for a hundred years, which really sucks, but whatever. Anyway, back to uh, Discord. They're going to roll out a unique alphanumeric username with the at symbol in front of it. And you'll get to choose a handle. So just like YouTube did, Discord is doing. Discord's getting rid of the four digit suffixes appended to usernames and pushing users to grab new handles on the service. I really only have two. One that's very public, Marwat, but I don't want to lose others. And now it may not be possible for me to get them all, um, which really sucks because Discord's becoming more popular. Um, and I want to own my identities. So it says here, unfortunately, this process means everyone on Discord will need to select a new username. And the way that it works is you'll be asked, hey, go create a, a new username. Um, it says, additionally, Discord notes that your previous username and discriminator will still work as an alias after it starts getting rid of the numerical tag. This means that your friends can still find you under your old username. While Discord says it's initially launched this with the goal of letting users choose their name um, that they want, the four number uh, tags eventually become technical debt that it didn't uh, adequately, it didn't address adequately, noting that the usernames are often too complicated or obscure to memorize and share with friends, which I would never have created a process where the identifier was some random. So now here's, here's the thing. Uh, gamer tags are the same way. You have a name and then there's a discriminator afterward. I think it's the craziest way to build any type of brand or identity within your service uh, because everybody, oh, well, you know, my name is blah, 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 number 1212 or 1521 or, uh, you know, 0615, but it's always four digits, just bananas. Um, why not just let people have names um, that, and I know why there's only a set number of names available that people want. So you end up getting like leet speak or some type of crypto, whatever uh, random assortment face roll across your keyboard kind of a name. And people don't like that either. Um, so you just can't win. What you need is a random private account that you can give to friends that isn't some numerical value and then a public one that says who you are and you can change it whenever you want. And that's what Twitter does. Um, so they say we recognize this is a big change. There may be hiccups with the process and it may be tough to part ways with that uh, hashtag 0001 that's meant a lot to you over the years. We'll be doing everything we can to manage things as smoothly as possible. So I'm sure I'm going to be irritated as I'll get out. 
um, that I cannot get. There's four that I want. And uh, we'll see if I get to keep them. This is an article. I said all of that, and I don't think I gave credit yet. So this is by uh, Emma Roth over at The Verge. I can't go back in time to fix this, but there you have it. You don't do anything on Discord, do you? No, I don't actually know how to use Discord. Mm, okay, uh, that's Even probably good. it may good. not be that complex. <laughs> it's not. It's... It's a different quirky environment, um, but yeah, it's a whole world unto itself. Um, and community wise, you, you can do text and voice and video and uh, basically everything interacting all within this thing. It has its own internal apps. Just it, it's it's pretty neat, um, but let's keep we can talk about that stuff later. So the next article is over in the Daily News Show. Shake Shack is rolling out new plant-based menu items using AI. I'm not sure why AI is in this, but we'll, we'll see what the article has to say, including dairy-free shakes and veggie burgers. Shake Shack is launching three plant-based menu options this week. The new items include a veggie burger and two desserts with recipes designed by AI. The recipes were developed with the food tech startup Notco and its AI program, Giuseppe. While artificial intelligence is already being used to help inspire recipes at home, the technology is now helping fast food giants like Shake Shack develop new plant-based menu items. I'm curious what these look like. Looks like a plant-based burger. Yes, it does. This is an article over at businessinsider.com by Jordan Hart. Um, you always know that a burger is a plant-based burger because it's almost engineered. Like right. somebody must have bumped this to give it a little bit more character. But like every time I've ever seen a plant-based burger, it's almost like somebody came over with a cookie cutter and just went ka-chunk, yes. ka-chunk, <laughs> ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Um, But Maybe that's just me. I I know that the meat-based burgers, right, like the quarter pounders and all of that kind of stuff, is almost the same way. They're mechanically formed and perfectly the same shape and weight, you know. Um, but for whatever reason, like a regular burger, when it's cooked, it, it isn't perfectly round. It's not gonna have edges. <laughs> perfectly flat. You can almost cut yourself on a veggie burger. Now, the shake, I don't know. I'd have to try it. Um, obviously, I, I'd have to kind of figure out. Vegetarian stuff is largely about mouthfeel. And so when it lacks something, you know it almost instantly. And you're like, Meh, I don't know. This texture is just not right for me. Um, and then ice cream is largely the same way. I, I don't know what to say about this other than that but i find it interesting that the recipes were created by an ai named giuseppe i think that's the best detail from the article <laughs> so the fast food chain is rolling out new veggie shack burger non-dairy chocolate shake and non-dairy frozen custard this week the desserts were conceptualized with the help of an ai 
uh, from the Jeff Bezos backed food tech startup Notco and its AI program Giuseppe, which comes up with plant based alternatives to animal food, um, uh, animal based foods, including its not milk, not burger and not chicken products. Um, I tried a veggie vegan, I think, um, beef jerky and its texture and its look was almost like I tore a hole through drywall and pulled out some insulation from an old timey house. That sounds very appetizing. And then the taste was like I got hold of a piece of a tire that had already had all of its gases off gassed. So it had no flavor, no smell, no nothing, even though it was branded as having all that. Hmm. That doesn't exactly sound appealing. Yeah. Uh, and just so I can really drive home the point, the point of sale, where the standee was by the point of sale, because I do impulse shopping like that, right? I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Let's try it. But I like to try out new products. Um, I think, um, it has not been refilled, touched or anything. And it's been almost a month. So I'm pretty sure that that's not going to be going over real well with the stakeholders and the executive suite of that company. I'm not going to drop, uh, a bus on that anyway. Um, Let's see if they say anything else about this. Uh, the new veggie burger was born out of testing many different veggie burger iterations and includes mushrooms, sweet potatoes, carrots, farro, and quinoa topped with American cheese, which. Uh, okay. Um, I guess that's vegetarian, right? It's vegetarian, not vegan and not dairy. It, because this doesn't say that it's non-dairy, but then why have a non-dairy? That's, I don't know. It's weird. Um, so crispy onions, pickles, and sh uh, shack sauce. I mean, I guess you could take the cheese off, but that is interesting because they're featuring, featuring the non-dairy on the other items and then yeah. leaning into the dairy on the, <laughs> the burger. Yeah, yeah. But. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess that's where you get a little bit of the fat, I suppose. Anyway, it's going to be available um, starting, what, two days from now. I have to find a Shake Shack. I was going to say, have you ever tried a Shake Shack? I think once, maybe twice. I don't know. Um, okay, well, let's see here. He added having, a, a, so there was a, the co, the not co-founder, uh, Matthias Wow, really missed it. It could have said Munchnik, which would have been perfect for a food company last name, but it's Muchnik. Um, man, in my head, I threw that N in there just so that it would be apropos, right? Anyway, he added having a tailored Nutco product in Shake Shack stores nationwide is a clear statement of our ability to create elevated tailor-made delicious and profitable versions of products in record time that appeal to the mass market. Well, give it time. Let's see what happens there, bub. You want to say anything? 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. How would an AI enjoy this? Would an AI enjoy this? I mean, you don't eat meat. You can synthesize, I suppose, vegetarian solutions easier, right? Maybe. I guess. So. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm the best person to ask about this article. <laughs> so move on? Yes. I'll move on. Okay. So the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel because it's about business. And uh, McDonald's, speaking of, well. Fast food. Fast food. McDonald's franchisees find after 305 minors, including 10-year-olds, found working illegally. Some of them at 2 a.m. Okay, first of all, have you ever been to a McDonald's and seen a 10-year-old working there? I mean, no. that should be kind of noticeable. Yeah. There were only 10. I mean, sorry, there were only two 10-year-olds um, across Kentucky. Right? It, it says in other states. Okay, so it wasn't just Kentucky. Um, but... But I see what you mean. It's over the way that it's written underage, but yeah, most of them were not 10 year olds. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Noah Scheidlower is the author of this over at CNBC.com. It says three franchisees operating 62 McDonald's locations across Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, and Ohio were found to have violated federal labor laws. Two 10-year-olds were among over 300 minors found to be working in violation of federal law labor, uh, labor laws at McDonald's restaurants across those states. Franchisees face over $200,000 in estimated civil money penalties. I mean, do you think part of the problem here is lack of oversight? Because if you're running that many locations, have you ever even been to them? Yeah, constantly, you know? You go to one every month oh wait there's 62 so maybe um yeah, yeah that would take what more than five years and time travel so never mind anyway you see that there's a problem but not just a mcdonald's oversight what the hell are the parents doing what are the parents doing? What are the customers doing? Not that that's their problem, but if you walk into a McDonald's and there's a 10 year old taking your order and you can generally tell if it's a 10 year old, like maybe you report it to somebody and maybe they did. Maybe that's how this investigation occurred. Oh my but God. Yeah, what about did you the parents? See? Labor department investigators discovered two 10 year olds working unpaid as late as 2 AM at a McDonald's in Louisville, Kentucky operated by Louisville based a Bauer Food LLC, according to a Tuesday release. I didn't think that they were going to name names, but I guess they leaned into it. This is also okay. the same week that a GOP lawmaker in Wisconsin circulated a bill that would allow 14-year-olds to serve alcohol in bars and restaurants. We actually nixed that article um, right. a couple of days ago. I don't know why, but um, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but you're right, like... Who doesn't know if their 10-year-old is home at 2 in the morning? How did they now, get there? They're not driving. Now, I I just want to say, though, that family members are exempt from that. You can have, you can have family members working in your establishment, um, and they can be unpaid. Um, but not at 2 in the morning, probably, and I'm assuming these franchise owners 
since these were illegally working based on the article that right. they're not family members but yeah that's a fair point right um so yeah there's kind of different rules for family members uh, of a family-owned restaurant um so it says too often employers fail to follow child labor laws that protect young workers under no circumstances should there ever be a 10 year old child working in a fast food kitchen around hot grills ovens deep fryers said uh karen man they pulled a karen karen garnett civils the labor department's wage and hour division district director in louisville man Archways Richwood LLC, based in Walton, Kentucky, was found to have allowed 242 children aged 14 and 15 to work more than the allowable hours. The Labor Department said children were forced to work more than three hours on school days and earlier or later in the day than the law allows, amounting to an estimated $143,566 in penalties. It's almost like they were exploiting children and all they're getting is a $150,000 slap on the wrist and they're still staying in business. Well, How exactly. is this not I mean, they child predation? Or something. Yeah. Where are the wingnuts when it comes to this? Right? Trying to repeal any child labor laws. Apparently, now I can have that 10-year-old uh, chimney sweep. Oh, wait, no. It was a 5-year-old chimney sweep. They're smaller. They can get into the smaller areas. And with their tiny little hands, they get in the corners. No? Uh, folks, if you could see the AI, um, they're, again, it's just a flow of uh, characters like the Matrix but when it shakes back and forth, like someone is shaking their head in what, what, what would be the correct, what would be the correct definition of that type of move? <sighs> Sweeping disapproval of what I am saying. Please, Very Marwat. Topical, uh, terminology there. Please, Marwat, say anything to make people realize that you're just being sarcastic. Yeah. Maybe I am. I don't know. Stick around. Bell Restaurant Group. Uh, what is that? One or I LLC. Yeah, I can't Also tell. in Louisville was found to have allowed 39 workers age 14 and 15 to work outside allowable hours amounting to an estimated $30,000 in penalties, according to the department. And last year, the Labor Department division found that 688 minors were employed illegally in hazardous positions in fiscal year 2022, the highest annual count since fiscal year 2011. The division said a 15-year-old child was injured in June 2022 when, in Tennessee, they were using a deep fryer. What a horrendous sentence that just kind of dangled off. You know, it's like a one-sentence horror story. <laughs> what's the shortest thing you know what was that what's the shortest story uh it's six words it's by hemingway and i believe it's do you want me to say it sure i think it's for sale baby shoes never worn it's something to that effect uh, let's see um age 15 child worker deep fryer that's a i'm not a good as in positive but it's a good it's a compelling story 
trying to get in there, at least be in contention. But mine is a horror story. The other one is actually really, 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 really sad. Let's go on to the next article before we all end up crying. So the next article is in the Stock Marketeers channel with writers on strike. Would Hollywood call an AI to fill in? That day may not be far away. A strike by screenwriters is partially motivated by fears of being replaced by AI. I guess that's just going to hey push them into AI. Um, the studios the are going to say, great idea. <laughs> exactly. Hey, thanks. You, you should have written this down. Um, but the strike ex itself might increase studio interest in chatbot scripts. Shocker. Um, I don't know if I can actually go through this whole article because I didn't log in. <laughs> anyway, John Swartz over at MarketWatch wrote this article. You'll be able to go and check it out, but I can't actually do anything. Um, the strike by screenwriters is partially motivated by fears of being replaced by AI-powered systems, but the strike itself might actually increase that opportunity. And I've actually seen this happening. Um, many of the people who were talking about AI today, as a matter of fact, were referencing chatbots and the sophistication of these chatbots. You can now make your own custom attuned chatbot that's tied into the AI. So if you want it to be a subject matter expert in something, you can focus it. OpenAI facilitates this to some degree. Um, it can be very expensive, um, but if you're looking for high quality stuff, it's worth it because if I have an AI write something that's highly topical and then I fine tune it, which is just the cheap part really if I'm just punching it up or down whatever it is it's going to be less expensive than me writing hiring a writing room but the thing about it is none of this can be copyrighted you know that's exactly what i just came to the realization of as you were talking and i thought would somebody producing a potentially mega millions um expected revenue movie really put itself at risk for something like this like that just seems like not the brightest move in addition to the problem with oh we're not paying the writers enough let's just let them go away and we'll <laughs> we'll uh you know use ai well like, what was asked of me was well how would anybody know well, they're going to know when, for example, because we've had this discussion on previous discussions of AI, but um, what if the AI was fed data and it spit out the same data so it essentially plagiarized? They wouldn't necessarily know if it produced something original, but part of the problem is it's all based on the data that went in. Yeah, but how would anybody know like eventually kind of like this the the ed sheeran lawsuit eventually somebody will rise to the occasion and say oh this sounds really reminiscent of you know x y and z but if you know there's myriad way to to construct this scenario so what if my scenario is unique how would anybody know that it's written by an ai if i'm the one that punches it up or down I don't think they would. I think I'm just talking about like an exact duplicate. 
that's where it would be obvious. Um, so, but I don't know. When I was asked, hey, how would somebody find out if something was plagiarized? Not really plagiarized, but what if something was created by an AI, but never disclosed that it's created by an AI? How would anybody find out? Well, I suppose somebody could assume that it is, but how would they get the, the context, the pretext to subpoena an AI to force them to parse their database for the results that are stored in their records? Right. I mean, how could they, they only have to have basically some information to suggest that this in fact happened and then they could do discovery for it. But the question is, how would they even get in the door to begin with? Because they couldn't just say, oh, I'm picking that script over there. Yeah. Oh, that's a copy, right? Like, what would that be based on? Yeah. And if you're the one that does all of this generation and you start parsing it, you become so intimately familiar with the content that any question would be immediately responded to by the human. It, you wouldn't just be sitting there going, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, it's my story, but I haven't read it, you know? So it, it's really yeah. interesting. I think it could be quite disastrous if it actually made it into litigation. But I mean, how, I guess the question is, how would it get to that point? Because if you had no insight into how a studio was operating, you wouldn't know. How about this? This is how it's going to play out in, in uh, writing contracts now. Anybody who buys a contract is going to have a writer in there that says that this was explicitly not created in any way by an AI. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly how that's going to be because nobody's going to put millions of dollars on the line by falsely certifying to that because then they're going to lose all those future yeah, contracts. And the copyright is null and void entirely. You can't get something that's auto-generated Although I have a real argument about this because the framing, again, the conversations today, this very morning involved the statement from the U.S. Copyright Office saying that because the human using the AI doesn't um, predict and dictate what the results are going to be, a copyright can't be assigned. But then I argued, well, that means that you can never take any public photography and get a copyright, wartime photography and get a copyright, nature photography and get a copyright or anything that has anything remotely to do with chaos, because only in the studio can you dictate everything. Because I, 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 I can take a picture of a model um, or a dog, it doesn't even matter, right? A model is anything, right? I can take a picture of a model and if a breeze blows through at the wrong time, a hair can drop down in front of somebody's face and I can't get a copyright because I didn't dictate it. But if I edit it and remove what I don't want, then it can be copyrighted. It doesn't make any sense. It's just a tool. So everything that I create it exists because I am the one that caused it to come into existence. It should be copyrighted. Anyway, um, I think that, uh, like you agreed, the contracts are going to change. 
and you're going to have to certify, self-certify, uh, because nobody else can. You can't go and get uh, somebody to write, you know, uh, yes, I assert that they did not use an AI. Right, it's not really like <laughs> auditable or whatever. Yeah. It has so, to be the originator coming forward with that. And the first time this happens, it's going to destroy a career. So... And it Just will having... happen, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> particularly like if it's a smaller studio or something. Oh, I don't yeah. see the established studios messing around with this. They've got too much money on the line. Yep. I think now, it's a fascinating... Now, where they might use it, though, is they might use it to help generate ideas, but not scripts. Right. Like, and then they start okay let's have a discussion about that topic or whatever and then we'll start going from there like that i can see them doing that during this strike for instance but i see them kicking the can down the road a little bit in that well you use this to generate your ideas so the ideas aren't copyrightable because you used the auto generation of it it's not your idea which is one of the reasons why um, when I do consulting, I don't tell anybody that I've helped a company or person or anything because all of that goodwill is theirs. And they're the ones that are making it a reality because there's two sides to every business. And there's somebody that comes up with the idea and they largely aren't doing anything beyond the idea. And then there's the boots on the on the ground. And you can't execute without the idea and you can't execute on nothing. Right. So you have to have the idea and you have to have the boots on the ground. So right, but we've seen instances of people copywriting things that were based on a public writing prompt. Yep. Yep. It's this is going to be because it's the embodiment that matters, not the tool of the creation, but it's the embodiment that gets copyrighted, not the idea. Not the trigger, not not the napkin that was uh, well, that can be protected, but the napkin itself doesn't get copyrighted. It, ultimately, it would be. But are you thinking from glass onion? Yeah, That's sort where I of. Was thinking with the napkin. Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, just because what ends up happening is you're sitting in a bar and you're writing down an idea and you use a piece of paper. Back in the day, it used to be a piece of paper. Now it's an iPhone or an Android tablet or whatever you have at your disposal. Tattoo gun if you're drunk enough, but whatever you 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 scribble it down and it becomes protected, not the idea in your head that's never protected. So that's why I think that AI, it, it's it, the embodiment is triggered into existence by a human. So I really hope that the Supreme Court changes its direction, its attitude, but it's a ton of money and well i don't think that there's well there's it's not that there's no bias there i'll put it that way there's a, a ton of bias so let's keep on going um the next article is over in the warcrafters channel microsoft promises tons of gameplay in the june 11th starfield deep dive Microsoft has announced that the next Xbox game showcase will begin at 10 a.m. on June 11th, and it will be followed immediately by the much anticipated Starfield Direct, a deep dive into Bethesda Games Studios, uh, highly anticipated sci-fi RPG. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited by this. Basically, it's going to be a ultra high resolution version of No Man's Sky. At least that's my comparison. I probably just lost uh, Bethesda and Microsoft as a sponsor, um, but it reads just like No Man's Sky, uh, but maybe with a, a different story. No, it's pretty much as you know, written like No Man's Sky. And I, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love No Man's Sky. I don't play it enough, and I feel like I'm lost in it the moment that I actually create a character. But this will be great. Huge universe in the grand scheme of things. Hopefully the story actually is awesome. So it says, it is true that we already knew that the Xbox live stream and Starfield Direct uh, we're set for June 11th. Microsoft said so back in March when it was announced the currently still holding September 6th release date for Starfield. Uh, sorry, for Starfield. Um, can't wait. Uh, Microsoft and Bethesda had uh, previously opted to exclude Starfield from the January 6th developer direct live stream, saying it wanted to do a standalone show. And lo and behold, it's going to Andy Chalk over at PCGamer.com put this article together. Um, What's interesting about this is for the intro to Starfield, they give away exactly what you're doing. They tell you you're trying to construct this thing. Isn't that kind of unusual? I don't know. It's like Clue. The person dies right at the beginning and then the whole story revolves around that. Which is a fun movie, by the way. So there isn't much more to this article, um, but you'll be able to watch it and we'll end up talking about it as we approach this uh, date again. I will probably be, well, it's at 1 p.m. So maybe I'll be able to stream this and, and talk about it. I mean, it's well, in eight days. look at the season though. Huh? Look at the season that it's in. June? Oh, yeah. right. Well, yeah. I'm still operational um, for a little bit longer after that. Um, anyway, let's move on. The next article is doink in the mobile channel. Scientists recover an ancient woman's DNA from a 20,000 year old pendant. Man, this is how we end up with vampires. I tell you. <laughs> Artifacts made of stone, bones, or teeth provide important insights into the subsistence strategies of early humans, their behavior, and culture. However, until now, it's been difficult to attribute these artifacts to specific individuals. Since burials and grave goods are very rare in the Paleolithic, this has limited possibilities of drawing conclusions about, for example, division of labor or the social roles of individuals during this period. This article would be banned from being presented in Florida. Um, with the expansion of this, their latest don't say gay bill, by the way, it, it moves all the way up to eighth grade from third grade. That you can't talk about gender roles and all of that kind of stuff. I'm sure if you talk about gender roles in the conventional sense and sexuality, then it's probably okay, right? <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, I don't even get that legislation, but so we'll move on. I mean, we won't talk about that. Um, well, not directly. 
I mean, it's, you know, you move from like Florida woman, Florida man, Florida person to Florida state. And when you just say Florida state, then you go, uh, okay, never mind. I hope reasonable heads move into Florida and shift it away from the batshit crazy that's going on. But hopefully by 2024. Anyway, Max Planck Society is the author of this over at fizz.org. And um, apparently they've yielded some DNA from an early human. Uh, I, I don't know how to address this because I don't. I, it's kind of spooky because what what could they do, right? There could be a mad scientist in a lab somewhere down in a hole that brings somebody back from 20,000 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but I've got ideas of like the next COVID or something from this. <laughs> I'm all for science, but this makes me a little nervous. Before the team could work with real artifacts, they first had to ensure that the precious objects would not be damaged. The surface structure of Paleolithic bone and tooth artifacts provides important information about their production and use. Therefore, preserving the integrity of the artifacts, including microstructures on their surface, was a top priority. Uh, the team tested the influence of various chemicals on the surface structure of archaeological bone and tooth pieces and developed a non-destructive phosphate-based method for DNA extraction. DNA extraction. There was like viable said, the DNA. COVID. <laughs> One could say we have created a washing machine for ancient artifacts within our clean laboratory, explains Elena Essel, the lead author of the study who developed the method. By washing the artifacts at temperatures of up to 90 degrees C, that's like flaming hot magma. Uh, we are able to extract DNA from the wa uh, wash waters while keeping the artifacts intact. So this like 90 C is like CPU temperatures. Huh. I mean, it's almost boiling. That's insane, man. I figured that DNA would get a little bit too rough and tumble in that temperature. Oh, well. Uh, the, the team first applied the method to a set of artifacts from the French cave. Oh, man. Is that Quinquet or am I saying it too hard because it's French? It has these soft letters in it. I think that's a soft C. So Quincy? excavated back in 1970s and 1990s. Um, although in some cases it was possible to identify DNA from animals from which the artifacts were made, the vast majority of the DNA obtained came from people who handled the artifacts during or after excavation. And this made it difficult to identify um, ancient human DNA. Interesting story. Th at one point, um, it was the FBI they were searching for a notorious, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the killer, uh, serial killer, serial killer. And they found the DNA at all of these crime scenes along with other, uh, bad actors, DNA. And lo and behold, they find out that DNA was being transferred from the quality control checker of the swabs. So they had to change their production <laughs> methods. I thought that you were going to say they found out that the perpetrator was actually part of the 
law enforcement team and they were like writing off that DNA at every site or something. <laughs> yeah. Raymond Reddington. So three tooth pendants from Bacho Kiro cave in Bulgario, but Bulgario. I just kept on adding the O to the end. Uh, Bulgaria home to the oldest securely dated modern humans in Europe showed significantly lower levels of modern DNA contamination. However, no ancient human DNA could be identified in these samples, but apparently they found a, a Denisovan uh, cave. It says Denisova cave. And um, I guess they extracted the amount of human DNA we recovered from the pendant was extraordinary. And the findings were published in the journal nature. There is a whole lot more, but it's dated at somewhere around 20,000 years old. It has a range of 19 to 25,000 um, using carbon 14 dating. It's pretty, pretty neat, but boy. Do you want ancient vampires returning from the dead? Because this is how you end up with, hey, another world building idea, folks. Write it, submit it. We'll talk about it. We will hype it. Let's move on to the next article. So this one is a survival action RPG and Shrouded has been announced. I am all over this game, by the way. I actually ended up talking to somebody about this and described it as maybe my forever game. Uh, it's one of those ones where, um, it, okay, so I don't think anybody in the world uh, refers to playing the same game as their forever game. But uh, I've come to the realization that there's certain things, right? Like you, you adopt an aging pet to give it its forever home. You move into your last home and that is your forever home. I've been looking for years and years, my forever game, the one that I want to die playing. Some people, they say, well, it's Minecraft, but there's no story with Minecraft and I don't want to create my own story. I want to play somebody else's story. And, and because of the immense popularity of this game, there's augmentations to it again and expansions and again, expansions. And again, and I thought that's what world of Warcraft was going to be. But for me, it's writing went to hell and it's entire, uh, MO it's modus operandi was, uh, get people through the story as fast as possible to end game so that they grind. I'm not interested in grind. I am interested in survival base building with a story that expands on, right? And I can have a small click of people that I can play the game with and own the entire world on my own server and augment it with the stories that are being released by the developer. That's what I want. Um, and I thought that maybe Warhammer would do that. Warhammer 40K would do that, but they never grew into what I was looking for. Um, and now they've gone completely off their rocker, um, with the way that they treat people, etc., etc. but maybe in shrouded. So let's just go over to, uh, RPG gamer or rpgamer.com. Alex Fuller is the author. It says developer King games has announced survival action RPG in shrouded. The game sees one 
to 16 players attempting to survive in a vast abandoned realm covered by a corrupting fog. The game is planned to release as a Steam Early Access title in 2023. I'm already on board. Uh, not technically. I am. I'm not part of their testing. But anyway, that was a short um, article. It is a short article. Um, I guess we could have grabbed, maybe tomorrow I'll grab a different one. Um, but Entrouded sees players awaken in the open world of Embervale uh, as the Flameborn, the last hope of an ancient civilization whose people have been driven to madness and controlled by the Shroud. Not Shroud, the gamer, but, or streamer, but um, the Shroud. The AI's kind of looking at me like, what the hell are y'all talking about? But whatever. Um, so <laughs> players need to hunt, gather craft as they build up their hero to take on the various bosses, leading to competing factions of corrupted creatures. The game is said to feature a deep, uh, open skill tree and will also include major crafting and base building elements as players rescue artisans and shape the world and their own homes. They actually go out and get and save the resources and bring it back into your base. It's just phenomenal. So I'm going to hit play on this and I'm going to mute it really quick so that I don't get a content content strike. I really wish that I was. Uh, I'll look into it. I'll see if I'm allowed to play these with audio without getting kicked. But the two times where I've played something with the audio, I've gotten a notice um, and I, I just don't want pretty wanna... clear to me, <laughs> right? Um, so it's phenomenal. The, the depth of the world, the verticality of it, the resolution of it. Um, the base building is, um, easy, but not necessarily simple. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just a square that you build, um, and you get that verticality. Um, the world is somewhat destructible based on what I've seen in the videos. Um, and again, you can have up to 16 people playing it. I hope that things don't turn into like orphan where you're playing the game and the person next to you just disappears because they're not syncing up properly. Look at that, man. That just looks like a blast. Like the mining and stuff. Really, it kind of it really motivates me to to play this and the resolution is spectacular does it say when in 2023 it's going to be out no it doesn't say um not i don't know of when um and i think in steam it uh just says that it's um going to go into early access and you can add it to your watch list but it has um a, a pretty in-depth skill tree as crafting base building monsters uh co-op etc uh, i'm i'm just all over this now every time i've said this i feel like i'm a cooler for these games because i go yay it's my forever game and then it plays like garbage and i just have to move on tuck my tail and just move on. Oh, so please, Enshrouded, don't wet the bed. Just, 
just develop. I mean, I'm still waiting for Ashes of Creation to actually drop, but I see more streams of their development team than I do of the game itself. And it's been years. It was pre-pandemic that this started. Um, and I haven't even seen an alpha yet. I'm hoping that this is not that way. Um, and the things that I have seen from Ashes of Creation uh, are akin to Arc Age, which has been around, flamed out, been resurrected. I lost access, even though I have two licenses for it. What kind of what how the hell is that? Anyway, I'm gonna move that on. Sounds this sounds like another video. <laughs> yeah, another time, another time, Marwat, another time. So finally, uh, this is the one that we've been working up to, which is Sam's Club is testing out a robot that can grill and assemble your burger, and you can order and pay for it without even speaking to a human. Thank you very much. This is over on the Daily News show. Sam's Club recently unveiled a robot that can assemble a burger start to finish without humans. The burger has received strong reviews from at least one burger connoisseur on TikTok. Uh, the Walmart-owned company uh, does not currently have plans to roll the robot out nationwide per Axios. That's, I guess, the source of this article. We have it from Business Insider. So what do you think? Do you want a Sam's Club, Walmart owned Sam's Club robot burger with no human interaction? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> I know that was not the answer you were expecting. That, that it, definitely not. So Ben, uh, I'm going to say Tobin. Um, I mean, I want to see the robot make the burger. <laughs> let's see. Maybe there's a video in this. This is over at businessinsider.com. Like I said, Ben Tobin is the author of this. And uh, let's see here. Watch out, burger flipping maestros. A robot may soon be coming to take your job. Not soon. They already are. I'm going to stop this video. Um, customers can order and pay for the burger without even talking to a human. And at least some burger connoisseurs are impressed with the product. Um, I don't see a video. Sorry. Maybe we can find one on YouTube or something. Sam's Club declined to comment when Insider reached out about the robot. Jonathan Safian, a group product manager at Sam's Club, recently told Axios the robot grinds up beef, cuts it into patties, cooks them, adds seasoning, dispenses sauces, and I don't like this turn of phrase, plops the burger onto a bun. <laughs> Probably should phrase that a little less jocular. Sam's Club does not have any plans. Uh, plans. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Sam's Club doesn't have any uh, current plans to roll out the robot, but saying current plans is basically a parting shot to everybody to kind of beef up their resume, pardon the pun, because their buns are going to be walking out of that store pretty soon. Then they're going to be in a pickle. No. All that dead air is stunned silence because the AI <laughs> can't even react. I was thinking something about ketchup, but I couldn't come up with something. You, they're going to have to catch up with the other people because they've been already planning to 
order out. I've got nothing anymore. They won't be part of Sam's Club, that's for sure. Let us try out the new burger. <laughs> Whoa. Wow, I've created a monster. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. Well, anyway, folks, that's the end of the show. Hometown Daily Show. Hometown Daily News Show, pardon me, for May 3rd. Tomorrow is May 4th, and you know what that means. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> I, I carried that lithbow a little bit longer than I thought I was going to. But may the 4th be with you. Good night, folks. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Be there or be square. That's such an old euphemism. I was going to do the Arthur Fonzarelli thing. I was talking to somebody today and I said, you know about Arthur Fonzarelli? And they're like, no, who's that? <laughs> get out of my I have office. I a feeling they were a certain generation. <laughs> just, just, just get out of my office. And I said, the Fonz. And they're like, oh, I've heard of the Fonz. And it was all, I was trying to set the stage about how you steal a Kia. Because you just walk uh, up to the bumper and go, hey, and you. Arthur Fonzarelli, the car. Because you can unlock it with a USB drive. Anyway, uh, we're all out of here. See you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye.